Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time is most appropriate for you as you are tuning in. Welcome to a brand new day with Stephanie J. Glad to have you with me because this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118 verse 24. What does it mean to rejoice? To experience joy and gladness in a high degree to be exhilarated with lively and pleasurable sensations, to exalt. And sometimes we have to actually make a choice to rejoice. We're not always going to be in the mood or even in the right frame of mind to rejoice. But I'm telling you, if you have a life, if you're hearing my voice, if you could open your eyes, you know, that's something to rejoice about. So what is my acronym for rejoice? Reach every day for the joy offered in Christ to everyone. And that everyone includes you. I am still on the topic of forgiveness. Looking at the story of Joseph, reading through the scriptures, um, the chapters that talk about this powerful story of his brother selling him into slavery. I recapped it on the last episode and then we went through um, chapter 42 and then a little bit in 43. And that's where I'm going to pick up again today in chapter 43. And before I do, I want to read about another herb that's in my women's um, book of healing herbs. And today I'm going to share information about one of my favorites, which is peppermint. I really, really like peppermint tea. I think it's so soothing and refreshing and it has many uh, uses. But uh, years ago, my cousin's wife, Lisa, she told me to try, um, it was like regular tea. I, I didn't have peppermint tea. And she said, oh, just, you know, make your tea a regular tea or herbal tea and then drop a peppermint in it or a cough drop. And I began to do that. And that gives pretty much the same effect as, you know, drinking peppermint tea if you don't have it. And I really enjoy that. So thought I'd share that with you. And then I really want to get back into this story because there's still quite a bit to go through to get to the lesson that I want to get to out of the story. Um, a lot has happened. A lot has taken place as it has in our lives. And if you live long enough on the face of this earth, you're going to go through some things. So we need to learn how to do as the Bible says. We need to learn how to forgive and to move on. And basically, um, my subtopic for uh, the series was uh, get out of or come out of hurtville, hateville, or any otherville that keeps you down. God doesn't want us to stay down. I know you don't want to stay down any longer. I definitely did not want to. And so I had to make some choices in my life. Uh, one of the last things I was saying on the previous 
episode was when Joseph's father said, you know, okay, go ahead and take Benjamin in verse 14 of chapter 43. And he was saying, you know, if I'm bereaved of my children, I'm bereaved. He tried as long as he could to hold on to his son for fear of something happening to him like what happened to Joseph. And finally, he had to come to the conclusion that if this is, if and I'm not, I can't edit it and I'm not going to go back and start over because that tongue tile, whatever is going on right now. But um, he had to realize that we're hungry, we're out of food, the famine is sore. The only way to get the corn and things that we need is for you all to travel to Egypt and the only way to do that was to fulfill Joseph's wish and to bring Benjamin along. So he finally had to let go. And I was saying there are cer certain situations and things that will happen in our lives that, you know, we may have been trying to hold on to that thing for as long as we possibly could. Sometimes you just have to let go. You just have to let go and learn to trust God, learn that he has it if you would just let it go. But if we just continue to hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, a lot of times we're just holding on to the problem. Release that thing, let it go and see how things can work out when you let go. Because the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's either first or second Timothy one and seven. He has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you belong to him, then you should trust him. Trust that he knows what's best. He has our best interest at heart. He is not doing anything to harm us. He's here to help us. And I'm hoping that if you do not have that assurance, you will get it by the time these episodes are done, or if you go back and you listen to some of my earlier episodes on fear and peace and love and just some prayer, some of the other things, prayer is very important. Um, just a lot of lessons for us to learn. So let me read these little paragraphs on the peppermint leaf, which is also known as field mint. And then we'll jump into the story. History and traditional uses with its sharply aromatic scent and handsome dark green leaves, peppermint's specific stomach soothing and gas suppressing powers have a long history. In medieval Europe, mint jellies aided dinners in digesting heavy meats at banquets. In the Arab world, mint tea is favored as an after-dinner drink. One 17th century English herbalist praised peppermint as a remedy for nausea, retchings, and looseness. In North America, the Cherokee took it for vomiting, colic, and gas. At the turn of the century, doctors prescribed peppermint to stop nausea and vomiting, ease stomach cramps, and relieve coughs and headaches. The healing potential of peppermint. Leaves contain menthol-rich volatile oils as well as tannins and bitters. 
as the premier stomach tonic, herbalists use it to counteract nausea and vomiting, promote digestion, calm stomach muscle spasms, and ease hiccups. Scientific evidence suggests that it can kill many kinds of microorganisms and may boost mental alertness. Using peppermint. Peppermint is taken as a tea or tincture, sometimes called an extract. When using fresh peppermint, crush the leaves first. Peppermint is generally regarded as safe. Purchasing and growing peppermint. Dry peppermint teas, tinctures, and oils are sold in health food stores. Plant peppermint seeds in rich, moist, well-drained soil in full sun to partial shade. Beware, this herb can quickly overwhelm other garden plants. Barricade the roots by planting seedlings in large bottomless cans sunk into the soil. Harvest just before the flowers open, then dry or freeze the leaves. And the parts used are the leaves. So maybe you're interested in looking into that. Maybe some of you grow peppermint and other herbs, and maybe some of you are interested in growing your own. I'm not, I'll take the store brand, um, organic preferably, but if I can't get organic, then I'll just, you know, get a box of the teas and I'm good with that. So let's move back into Joseph's story. We're in 43 and let's pick up at 15. And the men took that present and they took double money in their hand and Benjamin and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph 16. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay and make ready for these men shall dine with me at noon. 17. And the man did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. 18. And the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at first um, are brought in, that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us over as bondmen and for our asses. See, that's how it is when you do stuff. You don't have any peace all throughout this thing. They're fearful that these things are going to come upon them. Everything that this is a good situation. They're going to his house to dine at a banquet and they're already fearing that some mischief is going to befall them. But that's what happens when you do dirt, it comes back on you. That's why they say, when you dig a grave, make sure you dig another one because you're going to fall into that same ditch that you're trying to dig for someone else. Read the story of Haman in the book of Esther. It happens. Believe you me, this stuff is not just for our entertainment. God's word is true. The principle still stand today and it happens. They had no peace because they were wrong in what they did to their brother. And even then, even now, God is still being merciful to them. Come on and dine at the banquet. So 19 says, 
And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house and they communed with him at the door of the house 20 and said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down at the first time to buy food 21. And it came to pass when we came to the end that we opened our sacks and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. And we have brought it again in our hand 22 and other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. 23. And he said, peace be to you. Fear not your God and the God of your father have given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money and he brought Simeon out unto them. So look at that. God still being gracious. Fear not. He doesn't want us to fear. Even if you're like Adam and Eve right now, hiding because of your sin. God will still come. You know, I, I think we just don't understand the magnitude of God's love. If only we could just wrap our minds around who he really is and his character, because the Bible says, and I read that um, in Romans, I was reading uh, Romans not long before I started podcasting. And that scripture jumps out at me and talks about God commending his love toward us. Even while we were in our sins, Christ died for us. God loves us. And then he says in, in Philippians that nothing can separate us from his love. He said in Psalm, and I definitely don't want to do this and I'm not making a plan to do it. Um, <laughs> David said, even if I make my bed in hell, you're there. No, I don't. I'm not trying to make no bed in hell. I want to be with you in your presence forevermore in eternity. But that's how much he loves us. And all he wants us to do sometimes is as first John one and nine says, if you confess your sins, if they had confessed their sins, they could have gotten this over with a long time ago, but they had to live with the fact that they had done wrong and it kept them looking over their shoulders. The Bible says, if you confess your faults, God is faithful and he's just, and he'll forgive you of your sins and he'll cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness. So, you know, let us learn from these examples. It's just not worth living this way. It's just really not. It's a heavy price to pay. And I don't know about you, but it's too expensive for me. I can't afford to pay that price. But he says, 24, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water and they washed their feet and he gave their asses provender. 25, and they made ready the present against Joseph, came at noon for they heard that they should eat bread there. 26. And when Joseph came home, they brought him the present, which was in their hand into the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. Remember, Joseph had two dreams and he saw them bowing. And so this is the second time that they come and they bow before Joseph, who is now the governor of all of Egypt. 27. And he asked them of their welfare and said, is your father well? The old man of whom you spake, is he yet alive? 28. And they answered, thy servant, our father is in good health. He is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. 29. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother, Benjamin, his mother's son. Remember they were from Rachel, the woman that, that, uh, Jacob really loved and said, is this your younger brother of whom you spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son, excuse me. 
Mm. I don't know where that came from. 30, and Joseph made haste <clears throat> for his bowels did yearn upon his brother and he sought where to weep. <clears throat> and he entered into his chamber and wept there. And he washed his face and went out <clears throat> and refrained himself and said, set on bread. 32, and they set one for him by himself and for them by themselves and for the Egyptians, which did eat with them by themselves, because the Egyptians might not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination unto the Egyptians. 33, and they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men marveled at one another. And he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. <clears throat> this is in essence the goodness of God. You know, God is merciful to us. And Romans also says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance can you imagine how they must have felt sitting at that table? They're receiving at their brother's hands the ones that they did wrong all those years ago. And now he's being good to them. They're in his house. I'm sure it was immaculate. He's the governor, the, the next one in command under Pharaoh in all of Egypt. All of the world is coming to him. Joseph was sent ahead of them to be that lifeline and now they're banqueting and feasting. And guess what? Still haven't come clean with what they did. They're not even aware that they're in the presence of their brother yet. So I'm going to skip through a little bit here. I do not want to read all of 44, but 44 is another test after they dine with um, Joseph, when they're on their way back home, he tells his servant to put his silver cup into, um, the sack mouth of the youngest, which is Benjamin and send them away, you know, give them the food and stuff and give them their money. But then I want you to follow them. He says, follow them and overtake them. And when you do, Say unto them, wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? Is not this it in which my Lord drinketh and whereby indeed he divineth? You have done evil and so doing. And he overtook them and he spake those words. Um, that's up to verse six. But then they're like, well, what are you talking about? Why would we do something? You've been so kind to us. We, we wouldn't do anything like that. And then they let down every man's bag. And when they opened up the sacks, it came out of Benjamin's. And I'm sure at that point, they're all probably pale, seeing stars, like what is going on? Probably nauseated, probably wanted to bring that food up. They probably could use some of that peppermint <laughs> right about now that I read about before I started. But it's like, oh my goodness. Joseph is like, you know, they said, um, whoever you find the cup with, let that man be your slave. And it was found in Benjamin. So that meant that Benjamin would have to stay behind. And they, they knew that there was no way they could go home and tell their father this and go home without Benjamin. So now they're really afraid. So 
Judah steps up in verse 18 and he's the spokesperson and he talks for them and he says, you know, my father's life is bound up in this child. In verse 20, it says, um, we said unto my Lord, we have a father, an old man and a child of his old age, a little one and his brother is dead and he alone is left of his mother and his father loveth him. 21 says, and thou saidest, bring unto thy servant, bring him down unto me that I may set my eyes upon him. 22, and we said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. 23, and thou saidest unto thy servants, except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall not see my face. 24, and it came to pass when we came unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. 25, and our father said, go again and buy us a little food. Um, and then they're explaining, you know, we told him we can't go back down if Benjamin is not with us. And 27 says, and thy servant, my father said unto us, you know that my wife bare me two sons, 28. And the one went out from me. And I said, surely he is torn in pieces. And I saw him not since 29. If you take this also from me and mischief befall him, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. 30. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the last life. So see, basically we see that he's doing the same thing with Benjamin that he did with Joseph that started this mess in the first place. But 31, it says, it shall come to pass when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. And then he goes on to tell him that I became surety to my father. I'll bear the blame forever. And so basically at this point, we know that he's, you know, he's begging and he's pleading, please do not. Indeed, he said, look, take me, I'll be your slave. And then 45 tells us, verse one says, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. That had to be interesting. He made himself known to his brethren. Verse two says, and he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard three. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him. I'm sure they couldn't for they were troubled at his presence. You mean Joseph that we sold into slavery 20 years ago? That Joseph? Verse four says, and Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. I'm sure they wish that that was one of those pranks like they have on TV today where they prank people. I'm sure they wish that that was a dream. But Joseph said, no, it's, it's really me. And I'll reveal some facts to you to let you know that it's me. See, they didn't recognize him because he had been away from his land so long. So now he's bearing the resemblance. He's picked up the language. He spoke to them through an interpreter. So they didn't know. And so I know it's really hard for them to believe. But he says, look at him comforting them. In verse five of chapter 45, he says, now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither for God did send me before you to preserve life. Six, for these two years hath the famine been in the land. 
So now it's actually 22 years. And yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be airing nor harvest. Seven, and God sent me. See, God did this. I know you thought that it was because of what you did. And yes, I was angry, but I'm sure through all of that time, through the tenure of his struggles and imprisonment and things. He had a lot of time to see, to think, to contemplate, and to realize that this was God's doing. Even though you showed me this dream and I thought everything was just going to be perfect. I thought that I would stay in the land and you would work whatever you were going to work within me. Sometimes God sends us away. I'm living that myself. A pastor told me 17, 18 years ago, you're pretty much leaving, living the Joseph story. I've been away from my land. I've been away from my family for many years. Many things have happened. And my grandmother told me uh, right before she died, I spoke about this and I've written about it in a few of my books. She told me the last conversation we had that you are the chosen one. She said, there's one in every family and God is going to use you to bring the family back together. Well, the family was not apart until really after her death. A lot of people went their separate ways. Things happened. And I could not foresee the, the twists and the turns that my life would take through all of those years. But one thing she spoke to me, just like Joseph comforted his brothers, I hear my grandmother Mary's voice saying to me, she said, oh, but don't you worry, baby. God has not brought you this far to leave you. So like Joseph, I'm still here, still somewhat in the dungeon, in the lower place, coming up out of some things, but still waiting for those promises to take hold. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who can identify with this. So when you read the story, don't just look at Joseph. It's a good outline, but look at your life. Look at what God may be saying or what may be happening in your life. Joseph realizes this and he says in seven, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. That's astounding. So he says in eight, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he have made me a father to Pharaoh. Look, look how, how high God has promoted Joseph and Lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Only God can do that. Verse nine, he says, haste ye and go up to my father. Like, Go on, hurry up and get home now. Tell my father the good news. And he said, say to him, thus saith thy son, Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. 10 says, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thy hast. And if you remember the, the Exodus the children of Israel were in Goshen. This is comes after the book of Genesis. But when God brought the plagues on the land of Pharaoh, his heart was hardened. He wouldn't let God's people to go. After this, they go into slavery. I don't have time to get into all of that, but they were still in the land of Goshen and they were protected from all of the plagues. Even though they were in the land, the Bible will say there was darkness all over all of Egypt, but in Goshen, they had light. God protects his children. So even through the COVID virus, when we do our 
family devotions and we get up and pray and stuff, I would often make reference to the fact that we are in sort of like a Goshen. God is protecting us and he's keeping us and he's keeping this house and he's meeting our needs and we're not lacking anything. That's the God you need to get to know and you need to trust him. Learn to trust him if you don't trust him fully. Learn to trust him with your life because he knows what's best. Joseph told his brothers, he assured them in, in 11, he said, and my time is running down. I want to pick this up one more time and then I'm going to leave it, leave it alone from there. Feel free to read through the entire story by yourself and, you know, let God reveal to you what he's saying to you in this specific hour for your life. Um, he says in 11, and there will I nourish thee for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. 12, and behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother, Benjamin, that is my mouth that speaketh unto you. 13, and ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, and ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. 14, and he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. 15, moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. That sounds like forgiveness to me. That sounds like God really worked and did a deep work in his heart to enable him to not be snooty or, you know, plot his revenge when they came to him. God showed him this was what was going to take place. He didn't see all that would happen up to this point, but he forgave his brothers. That is such an important lesson for us to learn out of this story. No matter how badly we've been hurt, we must forgive in order to heal and move on. And even you can see to move into the things that God has for us. If not, we'll stay in that dungeon. And I know you don't want to do that anymore. So be encouraged and I'll talk to you again on the next episode.